I'm picking up from what uh, what the Lord was saying last week out of Second Samuel chapter five, verse seventeen. Um, the Philistines had come around the camp of Israel in the context of Israel really being seated and finding their place within their, their city. And right in the middle of that, again, down in the valley of Raphim, the place of healing and, and transfer and breakthrough, the enemy begins to uh, come against God's people. And it says that David went down into the stronghold. You know, and I'm like, well, Lord, what is that? And he's like, well, you know, this is the secret place of the Most High. And, and you know that the communication of the Spirit, when you go into the realm of the Spirit, says something different about the circumstances that are around you. And then you come in. So David inquires of the Lord, and he says, what should we do? Should I go up? And the Lord says to go up. Should I go up against the Philistines? It says, and will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up. For I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to a place called Baal Perazim. And David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore, this name of this place is called Bel Perazim, which it means the Lord that is breaking through.
don't break through because I'm so powerful. I break through for my sons and daughters. So quit hitting the rock and speak to the rock and let breakthrough come. If you ask me, believing in all things, I will do, I will do things that you can't even imagine. But I don't do it because of my power. I do it because my children. Because I am the rock, the rock, the rock, the rock through the wilderness. I am the rock, the rock, the rock through the wilderness. Asking me, asking me, asking me, asking me. Oh, behold, I stand at the door. come because of my power, but when my sons and daughters ask of me, desire of me, put down your low desires, and ask for me, my image, my face, put down your low desires, and ask of me, my image, my face. of your mind until this kingdom is all that resides you have attained you have attained because
because of what Jesus has brought. Bring captive the thoughts of your mind until his kingdom is all that resides. You are blameless and pure of heart. You have attained by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Bring captive the thoughts of your mind, oh, until his kingdom is all that resides, oh. You are blameless and pure of heart because of what our big brother brought. Let's go up and see our God. Wash your hands and accept his blood. The king is waiting, king is waiting, king is waiting. So come on, let's go up and see our God. Wash your hands and accept his blood. The king is waiting for us to come. And the king is waiting. Let's go, let's go, let's go up. Come on, let's go up and see our God. And wash your hands and accept his blood. And the king is waiting for us to come. So come on, let's go up, let's go up, let's go up. Come on, let's go up. Wash your hands, oh, and accept his blood. The king is waiting, the king is waiting on the other side of the door. Break through, Holy It's a deception to keep us earthly When we are invited to the heavenlies If we just believe what our groom is saying There's a hill that we call reality It's a deception to keep us earthly Cause we are invited to the heavenlies If we believe, if we believe what our groom is saying so come on let's go up and see our god wash your hands and accept his blood the king is waiting the king is waiting the king is waiting come on let's go up let's go up come on let's go up and see our god the king is waiting the rock is waiting the rock is waiting, the rock is waiting, come on, let's go up.
goodness of God, the goodness of Yahweh, the King of God, oh, the goodness of Yahweh, 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 let the King, let the King arise. God of eternity, wonders and majesties and God of creation, ancient, alive in me, God of all nations, uncharted galaxies and God who is spirit, he is alive in me. Nothing can take this from me. We've rolled up the sides of this tent. Oh, we've lifted praise to you, God. Praise for who you are, not who you want me to be. Oh, praise for who you are, and not who we want you to be. Oh, we want the true image of God, not the mankind made image of God. Oh, we want you, and not who you, not who we want you to be. God, who comes from ancient and from future and from now, God. God of eternity, wonders and majesties, and God of creation, He's ancient, alive in me, God of all nations, uncharted galaxies, and God who is spirit, He is alive in me, and God. Eternity, wonders and majesties, and God of creation, ancient alive in me, and God of all nations, uncharted galaxies, and God who is spirit, He is alive in me, and I am the image bearer of Yahweh. We are the image bearers of Yahweh, oh, Holy Father. Ancient, alive in me, and God of all nations, uncharted galaxies, and God who is spirit, He is alive in me. He is alive in me. Let our praises rise. Let our praises rise. Our gratefulness. Thankfulness, oh, oh, let the incense of the sacrifice of praise rise and fill the air. Let this atmosphere be changed when you cut through, when you cut through, when the rivers, when the rivers flow out of the rock, oh, and lights us away and carries us away. Oh, praise to the King, praise to the King of From the king, from the king, oh, praise, 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 praise. Oh, lift up your voice, lift up your hands, lift up your claps, 
shoot through like a lightning, like lightning. Thunder rumbles from the top down, thunder rumbles. Oh, when the word of the Lord is said out loud. We agree, we agree, be it done unto us according to your word. We agree, we agree, we agree. Although you slay me, I will trust you, I will believe that you are good, that you are good. Surrounded by clouds, by clouds. Oh, but there is peace, there is peace, there is peace. There is peace, there is peace, there is peace. So we lift up our hands, lift up our voices. We say the name of the Lord, we say the name of the Lord. We sing the name of the Lord, Yahweh Hashem Barakalanai. We say the name of the Lord, you are good. You are love, you are light, you are the way, the truth, the life. Oh, all things, all things consist in you. There is nothing outside of you. All things consist in you. You are the light. Let our praises rise. Oh, we'll pick them up like arrows and like swords and spears. Let our praises rise.
Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 18. And I, I'll try to pronounce this, but it says in Taphnes, the day will be dark. It's a reference back to Zephaniah 1.15, the darkness associated with the day of the Lord. When I break the yoke of Egypt there, her confident pride will cease within her and a cloud will cover her and her daughters will go into captivity. I will execute judgments on Egypt, then they will know that I am the Lord. In the eleventh year, in the first month, on the seventh day of the month. Get this, this happens to be April the 29th that this happened. The word of the Lord came to me. And he said, Son of man, I have broken the arm of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Look, it has not been bandaged for healing or set with a dressing so that it might become strong enough to grasp a sword. Because I, we're in the spirit and I see this man and he's dressed in a dressing, his arms in a sling. And I said, Lord, what are you saying? And so he takes me to this in Ezekiel 30. Before that, he said, you know, speak to that other mountain. Like in a way, like command from, from the mountain of the Lord to command another mountain to fall into the sea. Lord, give us understanding. Teach us your ways, Lord. Son of man, I've broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Oh, I got you, Lord. You will have a second exodus, Lord. You are going to bring about a second exodus, Lord. You're going to bring your people out of captivity and bondage, Lord. I got you, Lord. As you said, you will raise up a remnant family, Lord. You'll call them from the four corners of the earth. You're breaking the back of our enemy, Lord. And everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of the Lord. Release the captivity, Lord. Release the remnant, Lord. The offspring of your people. All throughout the nations, Lord. And bring the family back together, Lord. 
Bring our family from the four corners of the earth, Jesus. Raise up the royal family, Lord. Raise it up, Lord. Raise it up, Lord. Fourth family, Lord. Every tribe and tongue, Lord.
try to do the best I can with this at times um, in our journey God calls us into something corporate or something larger than the space of our own uh, present family situation well I'll just say what he said to me a lot of you have struggled with uh, family on a local level. It's like this is the way he says this to me. Uh, with our children, maybe grandchildren, and things don't seem to be reconciling the way we would want them to. And you know, as, as parents or grandparents, we would want to put all the energy we could into the relationship that is right next to us and within our family context. And I, you know, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't put energy into that. When we got caught up in uh, worship this morning, he said, you know, welcome to Mount Hermon. And I, and I said, how is it that the space in the heavens and the thing that is so much greater than us would be the resolution at the local level for a family? Why would the thing that is your glory be the resolution for what we need within our very own homes with our children, our grandchildren? How, how can this be? This last week I was dealing with that and the Lord's like, you know, Stephen and I had had a talk 
and I'd read this comment. It says, the glory of God is greater than our own redemption. But you know, many of us are like, I got to take care of this felt need and this need within the context of our local homes. And then we, we find this Lord that's leading us and he's saying, come out and love me. <laughs> but I love them, Lord. Yes, but come and love me. You know, I'm jealous for you. I'm jealous for you, you. The greatest good you'll ever be for them is that you're in me and I'm in you. And the frustration in the local context of family is keeps on telling us, some of us are led by guilt and some of us are led by shame like if I'd have done more if I could do more and I think the Lord would say get out of the where of you been and out of the there of where you're going and be here and just let yourself be caught up into me the greatest good for the sons and daughters in our family is that we would be caught up into the glory realm of God and he knows this. The pain has been driving us, what? Driving me back to you and back to you and back to you again. I want to resolve these issues. Come, come unto me, ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Let me solve your problem for you. Let me be God. Let me deal with it. Oh, I love your children, grandchildren, but I want you. And I'm caught away. How can it be, Lord? How can it be? Oh, I just want you. I just want you. I just want you. I just want you. I love your children. I love your grandchildren. I love your spouse. Let me take care of it. I'm not going to be insular. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to give praise to the Lord. I'm not turning in. I'm turning out. Trust me, says the Lord. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord.
tell you this story I was woke up uh, by the Lord with this morning I'll, I'll put this like in a real time where it makes sense some, some of you you had the same pastor his name was um, Wyatt Gentry and this morning the words of his wife her name was Persady but they called her Sadie Gentry a Nazarene pastor over in Hendersonville. And the Lord wakes me up with his story this morning. He said, do you remember what Miss Gentry told you? And I said, yeah. She had told me, she said, we were so hungry for God, Carol. Well, they call me Little Carol, but we're so hungry for God, Little Carol, that back in the day, we would get gather together in these uh, little places and we would like pray together the church would just pray and pray and the power of God was moving through the prayer meetings and she said my husband uh, brother Gentry he had uh, been over at the TB ward I believe over in Fletcher I get my story could be off but he had contracted TB himself by praying for the sick and She said that there was this Baptist minister here in Henderson County that could pray for the sick and people would get healed. And so Miss Drenchery said that her husband went over there to see him. And the, the minister asked him one question. He said, what reason do you want to be healed? And this was what he said. I want to provide and be there for my wife and my kids. And you know what that minister told him? He said, I will not pray for your healing because your reason is wrong. He said, what, you know, what do you mean? I mean, isn't that the thing? Isn't that what I should be doing? He said, no, if it is not for the glory of God, I will not pray for you to be healed. I remember Miss Gentry telling me that, and I said, man, that's, you know how, because someone says to us, hey, will you pray for my healing? We're like, sure, sure, you know, I'll pray for your healing. I'll... This guy's like, no, I'm not, I'm not praying for you. You have the wrong reason. He leaves him uh, with TB. He leaves there. I mean, honestly, oh, that we would have a boldness like that, that that Baptist minister actually has or had. Because it definitely wasn't humanistic. And, you know, as I woke up with this this morning, and then Miss Gentry said we were down in this place praying, and 
Uh, Gentry's going to die. I mean, her husband's going to die. And uh, he's just burdened, and he's like in the prayer meeting, he's just burdened, burdened. God's dealing with him about his motivation. And what's your motivation? Is your motivation just for to take care of your wife and kids? It's not going to do any. So she said he went up on this high like mountain out of the prayer meeting, goes up there wrestling with God. God, I, I, I thought, you know, I just want to do the right thing for my family. And he's like repenting, asking the Lord to forgive him for his unbelief. He got his eyes on the wrong thing. She said he, he has a breakthrough up there. She said, I think if I remember right, some kind of heat or something hits his whole self and instantly he's healed. Nobody lays hands on him or anything. He goes back, he's completely healed. The Lord tells me this morning, he said, you remember that? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. And he'll go on to, he'll go on and get so hungry for the Lord that he'll fast every day for his lunch. And one day, the Lord himself will appear to him in his bedroom right before he's preparing uh, for service. And the Lord himself appears to him in his bedroom and says, Abraham believed me and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And he jumps up off the side of his bed and he looks at the Lord and he says, I believe you too. She said her husband went out of that bedroom, a flame of fire. And they were meeting in the little church in the basement and then they built that larger congregation over there. And then the, old, the camp meeting off Upper Road where the Todds live near. Yeah, I, I grew up in that. I grew up hearing those fire baptized, fiery hot. And uh, you know, I don't know if you wrestle with this, I know I do, but what is our motivation? Everybody has felt needs, everybody. We're dealing with stuff, everybody's dealing with things in their family, everybody is. I think the Lord would say, what do you want more? Like, are you going to go be the rescue? Or are you going to let me do it? For Gentry, his healing came for that. Then the power of God comes, a fire baptism comes. And you, you know what? Now, instead of just his wife and his kids, a whole generation is being transformed. A generation that's actually standing here today. One of them. Families changed. Jennifer and I grew up together. But here's her husband. In the same context of the same church. Why? What happens when we say, Lord, for your glory alone? Yeah, salvation, healing, and deliverance is amazing. I'm all into it. I believe in it. I pray for a greater release of it. But what about the glory of God? What about Abraham having to put his son 
on an altar. Does that make sense? What about God putting his own son on a cross for all of us? What about that? Lord, I, I think you'd say again, you know, you want to see your daughters and sons? You want to see a generation swept in? Go for the glory. Go for him. Jesus would say, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to have, I'm going to have you. I started learning a lot of the frustrations that I've been I've faced and seen, even within the context of family, were to drive me to him. They're like jettisoning me. I think. Oh no, that's the problem. Why don't you solve that? No, I want you. I want, I want you. The Lord wants you. That's the greatest good he could ever do is to get you. Then he'll get them. doing for you will reap a harvest if you do not faint hold the line I'm going after the Lord hold fast and hold the line believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living
Peace. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being the spear. Spear that <clears throat> jettisons right into our heart. The vision of bone and marrow and place of soul deeply, Lord. Carving out your path in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus, thank you. Well, I um, I can't get out of Philippians three, and so, as Holy Spirit, you know where you want us this morning. I'm going to jump back to Philippians chapter three, verse ten, build a little context, and then work out of Philippians three, you know, towards the end this morning with you. And so, let's look at Philippians three, uh, starting in verse ten together. He says, "For I'm determined, my my purpose is that I may know Him." that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may also share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit and his likeness even to his death. In the hope that if possible I may attain to the spiritual and the moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while I'm in this body. And Paul says it's not that he's attained to this or that he's been already made perfect, but he's pressing to lay hold of and to make this his own. That which Jesus Christ had laid hold of him and made me his own. He said, I don't, I don't think I've captured this. I don't think I've got this fully made it my own, but one thing I do you know, I'm going to forget what's been going on behind me, and I'm going to move forward to what lies ahead. And I'm going to press on to the goal to win the prize of which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. So he says, let those of us who are spiritually mature and full grown have this mind and hold these convictions. And if any respect you have... If you have a different attitude of mind, he asks that God would make it clear to you also. So, I mean, Paul's not imposing his will even through the text. God, make it clear to your people. I want you to be of this same mind that Paul is actually operating in. And this is what happened last week in this meeting. He says in 16, he says, Nevertheless, let us live up to the standard that we have already attained. And I, I have to say, and it, when I read that last week and then 
And then you know, and to some of you know, like listen to the last 20 minutes of last week's sermon. Because we go from like darkness to the Spirit of God's moving. What's that? A marvelous light. And when I read this, it's like it just struck into my soul. And it's like I'd never seen this before. Nevertheless, let us live up to the standard. And then I saw in this text a pause. I didn't see, like, read it through. I saw, let us live up to the standard, stop, that we have already attained. And I thought, that is the, that is the thing, isn't it? It is finished. That is what he said at the cross, wasn't it? To Telestai in the Greek. It is it's done. I think, if, if I'm correct, I believe J. Hudson Taylor, China Inland Mission, got a hold of this. This uh, struck him. He's going into China, foreigner in a foreign land, going to take a people he doesn't even speak their language, has to learn their language, dress like their culture. Uh, it's got the missiology understanding deeply uh, immersed into him. He's, I'm going to go after his people hungry that they would know and present the gospel to them. And he's struggling. How am I going to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a foreign people that I barely know their language, I don't look like them, I don't act like them, I don't come up in the culture that they come in. And I, I remember reading this, it said that he, he came into a revelation of the finished work of the cross. And it was, after, it was after that that Taylor will say that it wasn't me anymore trying to work and do something for God. It was God working his life through me to do something for his own glory out of me. Years ago, we were in the fire department. I said, I don't have any more love. I've run out. I've this person don't like me, this person don't like me, this person said they don't like me, that one don't like me, this one's got a criticism. That. I was like, I've run out of all my love, Lord. I've hit my love meter. That's mm -mm, all I got. And I remember, like, complaining to him, I want to resign so bad. I was like, I don't want to do this thing anymore. My love's, like, hit max potential. They have tried me on everything. They don't like me. I don't like me anymore either. I didn't even know I was as bad as I was until I came to the house of God. <laughs> you know, well, if you would have done it this way, Pastor, if you did, I was like, ah, you know. And I remember, you know, I remember like I had run out all the work I could do for God. And I remember so gently the Holy Spirit saying to me, well, why don't you let me go to work through you? I have an infinite supply. I am infinite. Now I remember like it was like an awakening in my soul. I, he's like, he, he says, uh, welcome to the gospel. <laughs> I said, I thought I was preaching the gospel. <laughs> he said, well, you may have been preaching it, but you uh, weren't necessarily living it. I've already finished everything. I've done it. Now let me live my life through you. And I saw, you know, I, I saw and I began to behold a, 
the difference between a works-based understanding of relating to the Lord and the release of God through you to affect others. It wasn't dependent on me. It was actually him living his life through us. Paul talked about, he said, is a mystery. Colossians 1, 27, I think. It's not me living anymore. Is that right? Is Christ living in me? Is that Galatians 2.20? I get them mixed up. Galatians 2.20. It's not me. It's not me living this life anymore. It's him living his life through me. Live up to this standard. Let the standard be. We've already attained. I found last week that the standard was the cross. And I found this, that if, if I made judgment or if I took on judgment, I was getting out of agreement with what the cross had already said. He became the judgment on the tree for us. God's already satisfied this in Christ for us. He's already laid the iniquity of us all on him. It's already done. The Lord's like, you know, because I'm really big in how do you bridge heaven to earth? How do you get, how do you get heaven on earth? How do you get the translation of what's in the heavens? How do you get it right here, right now in, in the present? And I, be, I begin to see that when Adam and Eve decided that they were going to eat from that tree of judgment... What they did, in effect, was they began to separate and make a distance between the reality of heaven and the reality of earth. And it began to separate. And mankind has been wandering throughout time, going throughout our lives every day with this separation. And in Christ, he bridged the separation and placed it back so that no more can we be separated from him and no more do we have to be forlorn and live like that and you've attained right now okay <laughs> now i mean right here right now paul says imitate me brothers and sisters and watch carefully those who are living this way just as you have us as an example for many live about whom I've told you often and I tell you it with tears they're enemies of the cross of Christ what is the enemy here their end is destruction their God is their belly what's an enemy listen because What takes us out of the now I have already attained? What is one of the things that pulls us out of that mind that, that we are to have that Paul is talking about? He said, let this mind be in you, in Philippians. What is taking us out of the place of the shelter of the Most High? What is pulling us out of this understanding that we're speaking of here? He says one of the things that is coming against you that are enemy of the cross of Christ is your belly. 
How am I going to get fed? What are we going to eat? You know, Matthew 6, you'll hear it said, right, you know where I'm going with this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? Yeah, and he's, think not what you're going to eat or what clothing that you're going to put on. Are you not more special than even the lilies of the field that he clothes? He's saying one of the enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ is your belly. Leander, he goes around telling me he has a nine-pack. <laughs> it could be a belly like that. No, you know, I have a nine-pack. It's from Batman, Lego movie Batman. He's like, I have a nine-pack. Look, Dad, I have a nine-pack. He's like, I don't know if that's what Paul meant about having a nine-pack, but that could be a distraction too, aesthetic appearance. He's saying, listen, don't get it overly focused on uh, your belly. Yeah, they do. They say that if you're in great shape, your belly will show it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, in our culture today, there's a lot of attention on athleticism and the perfection of one's body. You know, precision eating, biohacking your uh, diet. I don't know if y'all know what that is, but uh, getting the perfect macronutrient diet dialed in. It could be an overattention to the belly. <laughs> don't let your appetite and your sensuality guide you. Because the glory that is coming from that is to your shame. An over-fixation with outward appearance. An over-perspective related to what I look like and how I'm, I'm seen externally by others. To look too much at the external appearances to get your eyes off of the eternal one. And, then, and this culture that we're in right now, it's rife with this. I tell the kids, I call it um, uh, Pinstagram. I just put Pinterest and Instagram together and made it Pinstagram. But an overattention to outward appearance here, he's saying, is an enemy to the cross of Christ. What's that? Face twit. Face twit. I don't even know what that is. An overattention to appetite, an overattention to sensuality will knock you out of the most holy place. It's the glory and trying to manifest glory by outward appearance brings a shame-based understanding on you and cloaks you. It diminishes, actually, the glory of God being released out of your life. I remember uh, there was a bunch of us church planners that started, I don't know, they said there was 32 of us. We started, started 12 years ago. There's a, just a couple guys left out of that. And I remember some of the thing that, you know, was going on with a lot of us. Well, let's try seeker sensitive. We'll, we'll go for that one. We'll get a bunch of people. If we run a, you run a real shallow message, it's like a, an inch deep and a mile wide instead of a mile deep and an inch wide. Let's go for that one. I remember how that one doesn't work around here. 
And I remember like, well, we'll do, uh, we'll feed the poor. And it, it's good to feed the poor and we'll, we'll do that initiative. And it's good to feed the poor um, we'll, and take care of the homeless. That's good. And, we, and we'll try to bring the bling bling. Because if we could show, if we could show that we, you know, have some kind of amazement, then everybody will want to show up. Because if we're amazing, they'll be amazing. <laughs> Enemy of the cross of Christ. A glorying in shame and outward appearance instead of glorying in the Lord. It's, he says here, it's the side with earthly things. And I like this. It says this is an amplified classic, being of their party. <laughs> I just want to announce, we're not in a party, we're in a family. This isn't a blue party or a red party. This is a purple family. You're in a royal family. You're not, you're not blue party, red party. I mean, he's saying here that uh, being in their party is a part of uh, bringing in, uh, he's saying, the fate of eternal misery doomed to perdition. <laughs> I mean, God, Paul's getting into politics here. That's a little bit extra on me, but Paul's getting into political things, getting into outward appearance things, getting into so much of what so many people are siding with, and even in our day, aligning themselves with, and he's saying this is the enemy to the cross of Christ. Well, if I could pick up this party or I could pick up that party, at least I have a subculture I belong to. Well, if I can pick up this look or that look, at least I have a look I can belong to, right? If I can get the right, you know, angle on the thing going on my face and the right, you know, look going, the Lord, by Paul, is calling this shame. Is it okay to eat right? Yes. Yes, it's okay. It's probably good to eat right. Is it okay to, to be in shape? Yeah, it's okay. But to put an overemphasis on your belly, how you're going to make your economy, how you're going to, uh, what party you're going to align yourself with, he's saying you're getting involved in earthly things. And it's going to knock you out of the secret place of the Most High. It's an overattention with outward appearance. Carol, tell us something else, please. Do you know, I, I know this about the Lord, he will frustrate because he loves you, your life, if you're giving yourself overly to an outward appearance, uh, economy, party-driven mindset, he will frustrate and allow conflicts into your life to drive you right back into his presence. Oh, don't think he won't. Oh, yes, he will. You'll go, you'll go trying to push after something and make something happen, and this other thing keeps frustrating it. And you just can't seem to get in. And the Lord's like, you're looking at the wrong thing. Get your eyes fixed on me. Look up unto me. You're not going to stay in the presence of the Lord with an overattention in the outward things of the flesh. I like what he goes on to say, but we are citizens of the state. No, no, not the citizens of North Carolina state. <laughs> of the communist state. 
the commonwealth, not the British commonwealth state. No, no, he's saying you are citizens of a homeland. You're citizens of another land. You're not going to be able to relate and orientate yourself to this political system, this economic system, and this religious system because you were made for another place. It isn't going to work for you. Quit trying to. It isn't going to work. You know, we have a mode like worship the Lord. And you know what's happening there in the worship. The Lord's just bleeding off all that stuff we placed our trust in and saying, you were made for me. Your homeland is in the heavens. It's not going to work otherwise. You were made for glory. But not the glory of this earth, but the glory, the eternal glory, the eternal glory that rests in the heavens. And from it, from it, what is it here at the heavens? Listen, from it also we earnestly and patiently wait. I don't like that. <laughs> Tired of waiting. Earnest, patient, wait. Labor, therefore, rest. Don't make a lick of sense, does it? <laughs> Press in, hold back. That's what you're doing, isn't it? I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you, you're coming after me. I'm coming after you, you're coming after me. It's like this all the time. I'm, per, I'm earnestly, I'm patiently waiting the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to suggest to you that the coming of the Lord, howbeit, is coming. There is a daily coming of the Lord. There's a daily visitation of the Lord. There's a daily time when he comes into your life and he expresses his life into you. And, oh, it's the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'll live for that every single day. A love encounter. You know, when he takes you off guard. You're just going by in life, and next thing you know, it's the Lord. Right? I live for a counter to a counter. I became a Jesus junkie, so to speak. What's the next one? What else you got lined up, Lord? What you got lined up? I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Yes, yes. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Oh, he's coming, he's coming. I know he's going to do something else again. He's got something for you. He's got something for you. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. My eyes are on you, my eyes are on you. And all of a sudden, it blindsides you out of nowhere. There he is again. Because so many people have preached and said, okay, basically sit in your seats and wait for the coming of the Lord. Yes, I mean, he is literally coming to earth, yes. But what about every day? You know, if you're going to set your heart and mind to say, you know what, I'm not going to do the uh, stomach belly thing. <laughs> I'm not going to be a belly dance. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be overly focused on my economy. I'm not going to give myself to party politics. I'm not going to give myself to... Um, all that, then you've got to have an encounter because you don't have anything else to go on. You need an encounter because uh, you, don't have any, you don't have anything else but him. Oh, the Lord loves that. And actually, you will too because it's so fulfilling when the Lord encounters you. I mean, right in the middle of just the daily life. Oh, 21. Who will transform 
and fashion anew the body of our humiliation. <laughs> we're not as good looking as we thought we were. <laughs> I mean, according to the text, he's calling it a body of humiliation. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> this is so funny to me. What? What does this imply? If you give yourself to him and you say, I'm not going to do that political system. I'm not going to do that economic system. I'm not going to do that religious system. I just want to wipe all that out of my life. I'm not going to focus on my belly every day. I'm not going to focus on politics every day. And I'm not going to focus on that religious weirdness that people have been doing, they call the church. I'm not doing that either. I'm not going to find my identity from what I do for Jesus. I'm done with the whole thing. Who will transform you? I kind of like really got into this because the word's like, you know, go for the glorification. I'm like, all right. Yeah. All right. Let's lean in on it. Let's follow you in it because I'm going to transform and fashion anew the body of our humiliation to conform it and be like the body, listen to this, of glory and majesty. Wait a minute, I thought we couldn't give ourselves to... Right, I'm wanting to clothe you, transform you into a body, a glorified body. I'm going to take away your body of humiliation. Listen, I want to suggest today to you, your glorified body will be commensurate. It will be like that which it is not. If you decide in this life to give yourself to politics, party politics, if you decide in this life to give yourself to economics that don't originate from God, if you decide in this life to give yourself to a religious system and a religious mindset, religious mindset is real simple. If I work for God, I get this. That's religious mindset. That's, just, that's not the gospel. Let's just put it that way. If I do this, he'll love me. That is not the gospel. If I give myself to that, it's not going to be a very pretty uh, glorified body there, folks. Because it's not been, you've not been undergoing transformation in your humiliation. You've not been walking in conformity. The Bible says that these stars will differ in glory. What is Paul suggesting to us today in the text? The Lord wants to take your body and transform it into glory and majesty. And listen to this. And exert through you power. Listen. Which enables him even to subject everything to himself. I'll say it again. The Lord wants to transform and fashion anew the body of your humiliation to conform it to and be like the body of his glory and majesty by exerting that power which enables him even to subject everything to himself. There's so much. Our world is inundated with a false majesty and a false glory. It's, we're inundated with it. You go into 
uh, grocery store there, Ingles, every magazine. You open up your phone, it's everywhere. There's another glory and majesty people are after. And then when you start to say, no, I'm going to go the way of the cross, it's like you're so, what appears to be counterculture that, I mean, it's like, how do I even fit in in this world? And it, but, but you're not meant to. <laughs> you're unique. You're different. It's not going to work. I'll tell you, it's better to go ahead and it's better to go ahead and just cut your ties with the whole thing. It's going to matter for trillions of years to come. I'm going to today, I'm going to say, how do I derive my economy? Is it because I'm trusting you and believing in you and following you, Lord? What about my relationships? How is that? Am I Am I trusting you? Am I following you? How about my affiliations with other, even related in the political arena? How is that? Am I overly giving myself attention to parties instead of a family, right? Lord, set our hearts for you. Why are things frustrating to me in my life? I'm the Lord's. Why is this thing coming at me? Why? Why does this situation don't seem to reconcile itself? I don't know if I'm making sense when I say this, but I didn't understand this at all, what I'm saying right now, for so long. I thought that the problems that I was facing, I was praying that God would go in and solve that problem. I didn't realize that God may have been causing that problem. He wants you. <laughs> And you think, no, it can't be this way. And I'm not saying that God is uh, causing sin because you can't say that about the Lord. But some of the things that we're dealing with that keep on like, if something's stirring you up and tweaking you, I would go to not look at the thing that's causing you your problem, but maybe ask the Lord, what are you trying to say through this to me? If you find yourself bristling constantly over situations... Because you're a believer here. Something keeps getting under your skin. You might want to go in and ask the question, not like point the finger, but ask the question, what is going on here? Because the Lord may be trying to get your attention. And I'll tell you what comes there so many times that I've found is repentance. It's a realigning of my heart back to Him. It's very fascinating too because... As soon as the heart realigns back to him, I've noticed this. The problem that seemed to be so pervasive and problematic seems to begin to diminish. I've watched this time and time again. I want to encourage you in this. Because we have a propensity towards our bellies. We have a propensity towards the news. We have a propensity towards things, but they may not have anything to do with what God is saying to you right now. God has a different message that's coming out of the heavens that relates to him. Now, even this morning, I'm like, we get up here and he's like, welcome to Mount Hermon. I'm like, what? We're in Mills River. No, welcome to the, welcome up into the heavenly council room with me when I'm going to take the, uh, 
Pharaoh of Egypt and I'm going to break his arm with my sword. What? What does that have to do with the guy cutting grass over there and you can't hear? What does that have to do? What? Right. What does that have to do with the kids running around and what else? What does that got to do with anything? No, it has everything to do with everything. Your perspective is skewed. Come up unto me. Come up into the heavens. The pressures on the earth, the things that you're dealing with, they're to drive you into me. I can't make that payment. Come unto me. That person doesn't like me. Come unto me. They betrayed me. Come unto me. My heart's broken right now. Come unto me. I thought this was going to happen and I've been let down. Come unto the Lord. Climb, climb, climb upward. Upward, upward, upward. Climb. Climb up into the heavens that you were made for. Come up into the homeland. Oh, of uncreated God. And I say, I want you, Lord. I want you more than my own life, the life of others. That you would be glorified. You would glorify yourself in me. Father. He would say, all things I have are yours, and all things that you have are mine. See me seeing you, seeing me seeing you. Yes, Lord. My eyes, my eyes, my eyes. My eyes are fixed on you, Lord. Transform this body of humiliation. Glorify this body and let this power that so rests in you rest in me. Release power, Lord. Release uncreated power through us by the word that you created the earth with. Release that, Lord, through your end time remnant family. I can hear Abraham saying, I'm seeking for an architect and builder. I want that city. Thank you, Lord, for the trials that drive me into you. Thank you for the hardship that I've faced, Lord. Thank you every time that I bristled and I couldn't understand what was going on. I was groaning in agony and it threw me right into your presence because I didn't understand, Lord, that you wanted me so bad. How could a God love how can he love us so much like that? This is a standard that we've already attained. You were made for heaven. And you were made to bring heaven to earth. And you do now.
say this to the Lord, release heaven through me. Release your power, Lord. Stand with me. Feel you, Lord, your tender Holy Spirit, your goodness. All day and all night, your love. Lord. 
places in you are calling to the fountains of my soul so
forward for communion, and then we'll take communion together. took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me and he said this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace amen bless you today
I'm destined to wear white And my chest is full of hope And a dress and veil as snow And he said he'd come for me He'd know when I'm my heart is aching for the coming of the Lord. I must get ready now. I must get ready now. I must get ready passion it is a fire and it 